0: good morning everyone welcome to first Praise. let's stand up this morning and get ready to praise the Lord
1: let's stand there we go good morning everyone Presbyterian Church family online as well as here in the house. What a great thing to be able to do to get together and sing. What a great song to get started with. We want to remind you as we do every week that we're here for a reason. We're on a mission at First Presbyterian Church. Our mission is this through authenticity, through vulnerability, through transparency. We want to build real relationships with God and with each other. And what we find is when that happens transformation in our lives in our world in our families and our work in our community all the real relationships resulting in real transformation that's our mission i would love we would love for you to join somewhere into that mission so if you see the qr code that comes up now and you want to join in that mission or you just want us to know you're here Let us know and we'll connect back with you. That's one of the things we do. We connect. We try to connect in authentic and real ways. Join us if you'd like. Use the QR code to let us know you're there and we'll reach back out to you. Meanwhile, in the next 60 minutes or so, let's experience a little real relationship, a little real transformation. That's why we're here. That's what we're going to do. One of the things we always do is pray and I have here in front of us some things that are going on in people's lives, and I'm going to say out loud in prayer what's happening. I'm also going to give you just a brief second to say to God anything that's on your mind and heart. So in a spirit of hoping to connect more deeply with God and have our lives change and our community change and our family change, let me do this. Let me invite you right now to pray, and I will lead with these particular and specific details. Let us pray together. Gracious God, all of us in the last weeks have found our minds turned towards profound things that are going on in our world, things we literally can't do anything about. We have an earthquake and then a storm go through Haiti. We have chaos in Afghanistan. We're troubled, we're angry, we're hurting for people who are hurting. And I'm grateful, God, that there are Christians who are running to the front of the battle there in Afghanistan to help relieve people, give food, clothing, to help people find safety. And Christians are entering into that environment on purpose in order to be at the front, the tip of the spear. And we can pray for them and we can pray for care in all of these places where it's just going nuts. We want to be people, gracious God, that are sensitive to the world because you love the whole world. We stop also to pray for folks who we know who are part of our family or part of our family's family. We give thanks, gracious God. For the birth of two grandchildren to jerry and tim evans maverick and stanley what a cool thing that is gracious god we pray for three or four or five people who are in who are in wrestling matches three or four of them with cancer we pray for jamie atkinson and jim canale and hank floyd and jerry denny as they make their way through their, their various battles with cancer and we also pray as we always do for jackie faircloth still today not recovered from the head injury she had years and years ago. We have ribbons here with her favorite colors reminding us to continue to pray for Jackie and her family or mom or dad or brother and the the extended Faircloth family. Gracious God, we pray for Lynn Ritchie and her family. Lynn is in the neurological ICU at Tampa General don't quite know what's going on. But she wants us to be praying for and she said so. So we're praying for you Lynn right now. Maybe you're listening. And we pray for you as you and your doctors go uh, work on healing and recovery. And we pray for Angie Boyer, who's here with us today, who just this week, her mom died. And we've been praying for Angie and her mom for a few weeks. We thank you, gracious God, that that Angie and her family feel some sense of comfort from your presence. So we pause now also, gracious God, there's somebody or something on our minds. And briefly, we just throw it up to you. Gracious God, we are yours. We want to be your people. We want to feel your presence. We want to be restored. We want to live with purpose. We want to give. We want to serve. We want to have deep and meaningful connections. Gracious God, we want to invite other people into all of that by natural friendships. And bridges of friendships. So thank you that we get to do this together. We sing and we pray and we listen to your word and we find ourselves made over again into new people. That's what we're gonna do. Thank you that we get to do it here in this room, right now, and online, right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. My good friends, Kathy's gonna join me. Kathy's gonna join me right now and we have a great thing to do right now we're going to baptize several babies about 3 of them
2: we sure are and we're so honored and excited this morning we have two families the Colavito family and the Layton family what is so rich about the way that God works is that the Colavitos joined the church this morning and the reason is they came into the life of this church through a life group when they first moved to Tampa they didn't know anybody, and members of Dan and Aaron Carlson's life group said, come on, come be a part of our group, and they welcomed them in. And during that time, their little baby girl, Lucy, ended up coming down with, not coming down with, but ended up having cancer. And in the process of going through chemo and radiation and all of that, this life group just loved on them, cared for them, and it went back and forth both ways, prayed for them, introduced us to them, so that we as a church family could also be praying for this beautiful family. And she is now fully healed in remission, which we celebrate. So this morning is a And we're a about celebration. to baptize her. We're about to baptize her and her sweet sister as well. And so I just want to say, let's applaud and say, thank you, God. So i'm going to invite the colovito family to come forward and it's anthony and rachel bringing little lucy nicole and hannah jane and um, rachel's mother is here with us nicole hurst and we're so glad you're here and then i would love to invite the Layton family to come forward rebecca and josh with little ansley jones and we welcome also your aunt carol and your sister, Katie, and your whole and your family, lots of aunts and Angela's uncles. big brother, Graham. Yeah, Graham is here, and we want everybody up here. This is a big celebration moment.
1: Someone asked me before we started today, Fitz and Kathy, you're at a baptism. They, don't, they didn't know which verb to use, like are you baptizing or what are you doing? And what we're doing here is we're conduit. Kathy and I are conduit. We're presiding, but what we, the, work, the heavy lifting that's getting done right now is God the Spirit. What's happening here is we're committing our lives, you are, and I am, and Kathy is in this family, committing our lives to be servants to Jesus, and then we're also committing ourselves to let ourselves, our family, be a conduit of God's love to help these three children grow up so that one day they themselves own their own faith. They decide, I want to be a follower of Jesus. So we're receiving them into the covenant of grace, and that, the heavy lifting, the real work is God, not ours. We have our part to play. And Kathy and I are officially going to stand and preside over this event, but man, it's God doing the work. And let God penetrate your life. Surrender to the presence of the Spirit in the same way that all of us here on behalf of these kids, you and I get a chance to renew our covenant promise to God that we will be faithful and loyal servants. It's the promise that this baptism symbolizes, but this is also not just a symbol, it's a real event. So let's do this now.
2: Yeah. Sneaking over here, Rebecca and Josh, Rachel and Anthony, as you present your beautiful girls this morning for baptism, would you say and would you confirm that Jesus is your Lord and Savior? If so, say we do. Yeah. Will you teach your girls about Jesus, will you pray for them? Will you read scripture to them and help them understand that they're part of a big family that loves them and is praying for them? Will you do this with God's help? If so, say, we will. And will all of you, the members of this church, agree to come alongside these two families with your support, your love, and your prayers for them so that one day, as Fitz said, Hannah, Lucy, and Ansley will be able to, on their own, say to Jesus, I want to be yours, and I want you to be mine. If so, say, amen. So, Fitz is going to start.
1: We are going to start with Ansley Jones Layton, L-A-Y-T-O-N, and her little brother Graham was he? there. He is. Where'd he go? He's over here. I mean, her big brother, and we call her Ansley. And I'm going to, I am going to be the tool, the conduit, the vehicle that God, the Spirit, is present. Ansley Jones Layton, daughter of the Covenant. Baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't blame you. If I had to look at me, I'd cry too. <laughs>
2: Can I take a little Lucy? Can I hold you? All right. This is Lucy Nicole. Lucy Nicole Colavito. Child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sweet girl, here she goes. And Hannah Jane, you sweet girl. Amen. Hannah Jane Colavito, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
1: Let's I, wonder go if we could, I wonder if we could just have them be right here, yeah. so folks online as well as folks Absolutely. in here. Just Anthony, if you'd come over and take that beautiful little Lucy, they, they called her Lulu when we met earlier today. So look at what we have here. We have a living miracle of God with respect to having cancer been dealt with with chemo radiation and surgery this little girl's been through that already and her family's happy for us to know this and they celebrate her bravery and courage Mm -hmm. but look look at this This is this fantastic generation passing faith along to generation along generation God does the most important work but we have to surrender so all of us become the conduit of God's work in each other's Mm -hmm. lives everybody who wants to say thank you God just clap or say yeah or whatever you want to do
2: Thank you so much. What a privilege. Thank
1: you all so privileged.
2: Thank
1: you. Thank you. Bye, thank you. You're a good girl.
3: Yeah. Good morning. My name is McLean Murphy, and Fitz and I have a couple things we want to tell you all about. The first is, if you don't yet know, on September 12th, we are going to have a big party and celebration right here in the sanctuary for all that God has done here at 412 Zach Street. It's going to be our last Sunday in the sanctuary, and we are going to have a slideshow, and we need your pictures over the years. So you can email those to Sally Glisten. Oh, but they're due tomorrow, so go home <laughs> today, this afternoon. You can do it tomorrow morning and send them to Sally. Even if one, you just sent one picture each, that would be amazing. Your wedding, your baptism, anything. We would love
1: it. Thanks. As a gift from God, our interim, interim worship is going to be at none other than Wright's Gourmet. If you could, yes, we are. We're going to meet in there, and that's where it's going to happen, 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Wrap the place with cars and go inside. Here, That's beginning September 19th, and we're going to have a rehearsal, so to speak, of setup and breakdown on Monday night, August 30th, 6 p.m. They close at 6. And we want all of you who want to be a part of that, figure out how to break it down and set it up, team, to come that night. We'll make that sign up sheet available to you, but we also want to just tell you come and help us learn how to set up and break down in Wright Score May for the few Sundays we're going to need to be there. And that's happening beginning, that practice is the 30th of, of August. We start again end on Sunday mornings on uh, September 19th.
3: We also want to let y'all know we're starting a photography team here at the church. If you have ever been interested in learning photography, we have a member, Kelly Hiro-Masano. That's what she does. She's going to train us starting next Sunday, August 29th. Right after the service, she's going to tell us what it looks like to take pictures with nice cameras. And um, you can let me know if you want to be a part of the team. It's a a once-a-month commitment that on Sunday mornings, you would be the one taking pictures of what's going on here in the church. So talk to me, talk to Adam, wherever he is, talk to Dina, or you can email us at firstpreztampa at gmail.com. We would love to get you on this team, serving once a month, trained by Kelly.
1: One last thing that we wanted you to be aware of, kind of businessy, and that's this. On Sunday morning, the 20, Sunday the 29th of August, as you can see, it's your grab and go opportunity. There's gonna be stuff on the third floor and stuff over in the office, and you can grab it and take it home. You can give it to your kid to use as furniture in college, whatever you'd like to do. Just that day, just for those three hours, we're gonna empty the place. All of the things we need to move are going into short-term and long-term storage, and this is what's left. You don't get to pillage this room. It's upstairs on the third floor and in the office, and it's all sitting there. You can start browsing now if you would like. That takes care of all our events that are taking place right now, does it not?
3: Would you like for me to give a mask update or would you like to do it?
1: I will do it quickly. So what we're just want to remind everybody online and everybody in here that because of all that's going on with masks, we have mask optional down here. We have mask required up there. So if you want to be a part of this in person thing, there's a place for you to go. If you're only comfortable wearing a mask and if you're if you're comfortable not having one, that's what's going on in the room right now.
3: And for the next two weeks, we are going to ask for children and teenagers to masks required in the back to keep them safe we're going to reevaluate after two weeks to see where our community is in this journey we're a part of thank you thank
1: you McLean one last thing we're going to do this morning as we think about giving back to God I want to change the subject just a little bit and say this one of the ways we give to God is we give the gift of leadership and there are people in this room and people in our family of faith who've been gifted by God with leadership and we are in a process this morning and I'm going to ask you to stay for three or four minutes after Kathy says amen because we're going to elect a team to uh, nominate some new leaders. We're representative democracy and we have gifts and there's just this cadre, this pipeline full of high capacity people who can lead and who understand the work of the church and we have a senior leader level of people and that, that's who we're going to work on electing today. So. When you think about giving back to God, you've been so generous, you continue to give money to help us do things in the community as well as run our organization, our church, but also think about your talent. Think about the ability of leading and think about senior leadership In all the ways that God has given to you, we give back and leadership is clearly one of them do this. If you want to continue to to give in terms of financial, we always remind you of these are five ways that you can do that. But I also want you to be praying about how you might feel God's tug to take on a posture of leadership somewhere, even as we go through a formal process today to make sure we have the, the leadership positions filled. Continue now with music, allowing yourself, as I said earlier, to get connected in a real and a transparent way and a vulnerable way to the almighty God of the universe as we sing this music and hear Kathy help us understand God's word for us.
0: Please rise. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my soul. Let the king of my heart be the shadow. I'm not the one
2: morning y'all so good to see you I love this video it never gets old for me because it's real-time imagery of the exciting process of God building this new church in the life of our congregation but you know what in this message series called built we're actually agreeing with God that he's even more interested in the exciting process of building something new in us. God wants to build something in you and me that will stand the test of time. Well, it all started three years ago. It was three years ago this month when a dude named Noah, this guy, this guy right here, knocked on our office door and asked if we would be willing to sell our property, our part of the entire block. Now, I want you to know something. His name is Noah. (laughs) Guess what? You're gonna be shocked. He's running a multi-million dollar company off of his boat. (laughs) Yep. He lives on a boat and he works off of that boat. It's unbelievable. And there's more. He's a good Jewish boy. He loves God. I mean, it just couldn't get any more fun than that, right? So he came to us with this question, and you may remember that we brought the question to you. And we said, friends, start praying and asking God, is this you or not? And about a year after he knocked on our door, we voted to sell the property Because after praying, which we set out to do for that full year before we made any decisions, we were praying every morning and every night at 7.07 a.m. and p.m., and we were also fasting once a month, and after doing that for over a year, we voted to sell because we figured out that God had started this whole thing, and that's why This has never been just a real estate transaction to go and build something else. From day one, this has been a spiritual journey. I know that that's what God intended from the very beginning. He wanted to set us on a course of a spiritual journey as individuals and as a church. And so that vote to sell was a, yes, God, we now understand that you're asking us to follow you into the future of your new purposes for First Press. And that set into motion the blueprints and the planning to build a new church with rebar, two-by-fours, a foundation, and so much more. But it also set the stage For God to build something new in us that would stand the test of time. And so we know that the very first question that happens when you're building something, because you get to this point, of course, when when you've built it, and we're not going to be talking about rebar, and we're not going to be talking about two-by-fours and foundations and blueprints anymore but our hearts are gonna kind of turn towards the central ingredient of any home, of any life. It's something internal, our heart, our heart. And yet, what do I keep getting asked the most about our new property, can you guess? What is it going to look like? What's it gonna look like on the outside? And in construction language, That's called elevation. What is the elevation going to look like? Is it going to look traditional? Is it going to have a contemporary look? And the answer is, the design team and the architect are striving to create a timeless look. A look that will last for the ages. Yeah. Now, we all know that we want our church to look just awesome, don't we? And of course we do. We want it to be welcoming and inviting, just like you do with your homes. We love it when people feel like they're attracted to our home and to us and that they want to come in and be with us. We want all of that for First press. And as you think about your home, some of you live in apartments and condos, some of you live in two-story homes or one-story homes, it doesn't matter. You want it to have that welcoming quality. Well, how many of you right now in the room are either in real estate at some level or you're buying or selling a home or condo or something? Right, so how many times have you heard or said these words? And I want you to fill in the blank. It doesn't have a lot of curb appeal, but it has good... Bones. Yeah, that's right. That's why we know that when we're trying to build something that we want to eventually sell, we, we gotta do some of this stuff. We have to spruce up the landscaping, right? we got to spruce that up and probably get some potted flowers on the porch. We want to get rid of that faded mat and put a new one here. And if you've been pressure washing your home, it's likely that the lighting is now pitted out. you got to get new stuff, right? We know that. And then the coup d'etat is when we put the chair on the porch with the lovely pillow, right? Because you know what that screams, don't you? It screams, when you buy this house, this can be you. (laughs) Chilling right here. Yeah, that's what we do. No, this isn't new furniture. We do this all the time. Everyone in the neighborhood does. That's the kind of neighborhood you're buying into. (laughs) No, it's definitely not new. It just is good stuff. It's lasted. And so we chill and we enjoy that because we live In a curb appeal world, friends, and even your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of that, it's your curb appeal. You're saying to the world, this is who I am. This is a little bit about me. And if you're single and online, you're looking around at the curb appeal and you're thinking, I need a little more information here. I'm going to do a little more research. So you go to lunch or coffee, anything that's brief, right, that you can get out pretty easily, and you go, and what seemed like great, awesome curb appeal may shift on you. The curb appeal often turns into character reveal. And suddenly, what looks great in the curb appeal is a lot like trying to do an inspection on a home right before you buy it. We know that inspectors do not care about this stuff, right? No inspector has ever said to any prospective buyer, oh my goodness, you need to buy this house right now because the landscaping is the best I've ever seen. Don't even, call your real estate agent immediately. Buy it. No, they don't say that. They say, I went under the crawl space and flashed my flashlight around, and we've got issues. I found a cracked foundation, and unless you want to spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on a new foundation, do not buy this house. You're crushed. You could already picture yourself seated on the front porch, waving at the neighbors walking by. You already imagined uh, signing up on Crate and Barrel to get a brand new mat with your name on it, Connor. It was going to say Connor, and it was going to be fresh and new, and it was only going to take six weeks to get here. And then the inspector keeps talking and says, there's more, it gets worse. The framing is bad. This house has termites. Well, yep, that's a picture of the termites that Fitz and I discovered about a month ago while we've been renovating our own home. And that's not the only site where they appeared. They're all over the place. I mean, it just was like overnight. I don't know where they came marching in from, but they're having a ball at our expense. It's unbelievable. It grosses me out, too. Ugh. And it's still there because I want to remind myself of the work we're doing because it soon became the first among many issues below the surface that we discovered needed to be addressed in the renovation of our home. And we wouldn't have discovered it had we not made this decision to renovate and dig a little deeper. That's just like our life though, isn't it? Our curb appeal might be just amazing, but then the character reveal, it's likely that there are some issues just below the surface that really, really need to be addressed. And what we know is that God is saying to us, I want to do something extraordinary In your life, I want to do something extraordinary through your life. And it's going to have to start with the internal stuff, the stuff that's beneath the surface. That's where it has to start, not on the external things, because the heart is what determines the house. And so, God's plan, God's intention for you. And for me, isn't for us to have a few more lovely flowers, a nice new doormat, and some really great curb appeal. God's intention, his plan, his purpose is to build something in you and me. His plan is that coming from the inside of you and me is the kind of character that can build a house that stands the test of time. And God talks about that in Proverbs chapter four. So let's go to that passage now. I want you to hear these words because they're so tender, but oh so clear. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If I want to be the kind of person that impacts the next generation with the life-changing love of Jesus, I have to be thinking about my heart. I have to. Notice he said, above all else, just three simple words, oh, but my goodness, so weighty. Above all else, it means in front of everything else, make it your focus. Why? Because God says when we guard our heart, it will determine the course of our life. Because whatever is going on in here is going to be going on out there eventually, right? Because once people get past our curb appeal, they're going to start experiencing the repercussions of what is just beneath the surface. Are you willing to be brave and courageous and take an honest look at your heart? And some of you are sitting there going, nope, not a chance. Not interested. In fact, stop. Don't even go there. But I want to just gently nudge you, to nudge you because oftentimes in Scripture, we're encouraged to examine our hearts. Why? Because we need it. And we, our lives are so rushed and on a roll that we don't even have the time to even think. But when we examine, if we choose to be brave and courageous, trust me, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to find something really, really scary and big, although you might. But it might even be just a small thing that just kind of keeps getting in your way, getting in the way of your relationships with other people. And I know this is uncomfortable, but maybe it will help you to watch how Jesus conducts himself in a conversation with a woman in a a way that's really very non-threatening. Yet he's so vulnerable and honest, and she is too. Because as you watch him in action, perhaps you'll start to feel a little bit more like, well, maybe Jesus is someone that I can trust with the truth about what's going on beneath the surface. So it takes place on this one day, it's in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, where Jesus is so tired because he's on this long journey. He's journeying from Judea to Galilee to his hometown. Now he has a choice to make. Jesus has a choice to make because he's a Jewish man and he can either go around Samaria or go straight through it. And you're wondering, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is Jews always avoided Samaria because Jewish people and Samaritan people shared this racial tension that was severe. So it was to be avoided at all costs, but see, not to Jesus. He's good with the Samaritan people, and he's like, nah, I'm good, I'm going to go straight through. And he ends up at a place called Jacob's Well. Jacob's Well is a real place that I so badly wanted to visit because of this story when I took a group of people to the Holy Land. But it was located in a small town called Nublis in the West Bank in Palestine, and we just couldn't go. But it is a real place as I read the beginning of this story to you. Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way because he had left Judea and entered into Galilee. Well, eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that, Jonah, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "'Please give me a drink.' He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now remember, she's a Samaritan woman, and he's a Jewish man. He's breaking all kinds of rules here because men and women in that culture didn't speak to one another in public. And we already understand that due to the racial tension, Jews and Samaritans did not speak. And so he continues on and says, we discovered that this woman was surprised in verse 9. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you talking to me? Is what she means. Well, why do you think Jesus asked for her for a drink? I think Jesus saw it as a gentle, non-threatening way to come towards her. Because you see, Jesus was at the well first, and he saw her walking to the well, and he was discerning and was beginning to understand and perceive because he is the son of God. He could see the reality of her life in a way that she couldn't even see it. He was thirsty, she was thirsty, He came to the well to drink. She came to the well to drink. But Jesus quickly realized that something much deeper was going on here than two people wanting something to drink. And so he begins to lean in, in a very gentle way. But this poor woman, she's about to get something that's way above her pay grade. This is a crazy statement that Jesus makes to her next. He says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She's like, what? Excuse me, what? What are you talking about? Aren't we still talking about just a cup of water here? What is this if you knew me and this? gift from God thing and living water. I, I, don't, I can't even calibrate what you're saying. But something was starting to happen. Because Jesus is now stepping into this moment between God's dreams for her, for you, for me that are here, and this woman staying right down here on the surface where I don't want to go too deep. Let's just keep talking about water. You're starting to talk crazy. I'm good. Let's not not do any more than this. But Y'all, Jesus doesn't let up the gas. He's gentle. He's non-threatening. But he finds a way to continue this conversation with her. And so he goes on in verse 13. And he replies, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. She's still not really getting it. She's just thinking, oh, this is going to be so much better. I don't have to keep coming to the well. She's dropping back to what's familiar to her. God sees something. She's hearing something else. But they're about to connect in the story. As Jesus does so well, he always goes to the heart. And he makes a comment that causes her heart to ponder, to think, to say, maybe I need to take a look. Because next he says, seemingly out of nowhere, hey, um, why don't you go and get your husband? She's starting to get uncomfortable. She says, I I I don't have a husband. She's not gonna say more than that. She's gonna keep it just right at that. And he says, You're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. I know the Messiah is coming, she says, the one who is called Christ. I missed. But before that, she said, Sir, you must be a prophet. Because he's saying things to her that how could he possibly know? You must be a prophet. And that's when she goes on to say, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. So her heart and her mind is just spinning right now. And then Jesus says to her, I am the Messiah. Because when Jesus comes on the scene, he doesn't want to talk about curb appeal. He wants to talk about character appeal. Reveal. So I want you to understand that this story is not about getting our life, getting our act together. Not at all. In fact, that's just nothing but curb appeal work. What this story is about is this woman recognizing that Jesus sees that something is going on beneath her heart, beneath the surface, He knows that just like this woman, we are dealing with the same thing. And that perhaps no one even knows the depth of what it is inside of us. And Jesus says, today I am offering you living water. Living water that will fill the thirsty broken places in your life that no one else can fill, because you see, she tried to fill her life with all six of those relationships, and none of them fulfilled her at all. But haven't we all had five somethings, five things that we were dealing with, that did not fulfill even though we desperately hoped that they would? I want you to know that this woman's life changed. And the impact of her life transformed her entire village and eventually her entire region. But the heart change that needed to happen was not going to happen until she was willing to look at what wasn't working in her life. Could it be this morning that this room is your Jacob's well? And that just as you came in here this morning, it's just another Sunday, in the same way that she came to Jacob's well, I'm just getting a cup of water, like I always do, until Jesus came into her story. Until Jesus comes into our story, and suddenly God has us thinking about our heart and thinking about what's just beneath the surface? Are we willing to be brave and courageous like this woman? Brave enough to be honest and vulnerable about what is going on below the surface in our lives? Because it is the heart that determines the course of our life. And we want to guard it. And when Jesus comes in our lives, he doesn't want us to just have some nice flowers, a new mat, and some little curb appeal on the side. No. He is wanting to bring new life into your heart. He wants your heart to beat again with a vibrancy that you haven't known in a long time. He wants to invade your heart with his life, in order to build something in you that will stand the test of time. And I know it's difficult to think about being vulnerable and honest, but I'm going to invite you to do something. I want to invite you to make an appointment with someone, someone you trust, a friend. I'm going to do this. And I want you to sit down with that person and say, you know what, I want to start thinking about my heart. And I want to dig a little bit deeper and take a peek, an honest look at what's below the surface. And I need someone that I can trust to share this with, someone that isn't worried about my curb appeal and can let me do a character reveal, someone who will support me and pray for me on this journey. And I know that sounds like crazy talk to some of you, but just start small with something that you know it would be helpful for you to talk about. I want to remind you as I look at this beautiful cross behind me that Jesus died on a cross, and it was not pretty. He was naked, he was stripped down, and he was bare. So that you and I could come to him naked and stripped down and bare and real and hurting and angry and jealous and greedy and all those things, we can come to him because He died in this ugly, awful state, but he rose up three days later, bringing new life. And that's what he can do for you and me. He can breathe new life into our hearts if we're willing to lay down in front of him and a friend we trust, the bare, stripped-down truth of who we are. Please pray with me. Jesus, we thank you that you know us intimately and love us fully, just as we are. But Lord, you love us too much to leave us that way. And Father, give us the courage, the bravery, like this woman, to be honest and vulnerable with you and with someone we trust who will walk with us. And help us bring out into the light, bring out into the open that which we tend to want to keep beneath the surface. Where we can't and don't want to even think about it. Oh, but you do, Lord. Because you know that these are the very things that spill into the lives of the people around us. So we know we need healing from things that we're aware of and things we're not aware of. Oh Jesus, give us the courage in Christ.